I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. There's only three games left. Just three. And then we'll know the 2019 Super Bowl winner. I can't believe we are so close to the end of the season, Murph. I'm so sad. I just can't believe how quickly it's gone. It seems like yesterday that we were sitting down talking about week one strategy and what people are doing and optimism for the season and everyone had this whole sense of optimism and now there's four teams three games yeah and effectively by you know by Sunday the the Patriots are going to be crowned champions of the world once again (laughs) I don't necessarily believe that but it just seems to me that's the way the world's going (laughs) they look like the Patriots of every other postseason they're just the way they dismantled the Chargers was ridiculous, but we'll get into that. You've heard us both, Rush Nation, Murph and I. That's pretty much it. I think that's the standard roster now. I don't think Nick's coming back. He's he's going to be on the credits just in case he makes a guest appearance every now and again. Don't know about Sparky. He did mention next week, so everybody put it in your diaries. There may or may not be a guest appearance by Sparky next week. It's just me and Murph, like I just said. Murph, how are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm nearly over this wretched cold which has ruined the beginning of January for me. But, you know, like we said last week, I'm no Antonio Brown. I play when I'm unhealthy. I play when I'm <laughs> fit and willing as well to most of my, nearly 100% I would say. 
First off, I want to shout out Antonio. Top lad, sent us some patches. We got them today, opened them up. So they'll go somewhere on the desk or studio once we're finished decorating. Thank you, Squire. Also, shout out to Antonio's League that Murph and I came top again. Just a decent reason to listen to the podcast, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> ah, Just crowning ourselves in yeah. more glory. Uh, we're set up for a massive fall now. but Well, I think what we did that was key, and this is where I think... We're not just in a position to offer advice, and this isn't self-gloating, but toot, toot. Chris and I were talking literally minutes before the games kicked off, maybe within the last hour or so. No, it was minutes. It was. I thought it was yeah, pretty Yeah, I had close three to minutes to make the lineup change. And we were looking at the, the weather situation in Kansas City, and we pivoted from Mahomes to Breeze, and we pivoted from Hill... Hilton. No, Hilton, that's right. Hilton to Cooper... Now, Hilton to Cooper didn't make a lot of difference. Uh, five yards. Yeah, about five, six yards. and Which is pretty apt. But we got, yeah, <laughs> I thought so. But the change from Mahomes to Breeze got us seven points. And that was uh, crucial. So, I think that's that's the reason we won the week. If we'd kept the original lineup, I think we would have lost by a point. So, uh, well, not lost. We would have come second by a point. It's a points league. So, you know, it's key to if you're seeing things develop and you don't like what you see make the changes, especially in this format where it's kind of like you can pick your best team. So um, it's one piece of advice going forward. It's easier in September when the weather's nice everywhere, but when you get into December games, you've got to keep an eye on these situations because if there's something you don't like, make the change. We knew Hilton wasn't 100% anyway. Um, and then when you saw those conditions, just thought how hard they're going to run him. Okay, he gets a score, but Cooper was a safer play and it turned out that way, so... Yeah, and there's always expected to be an Arctic storm this weekend up at Arrowhead. So who really? knows? It? Yeah, who knows how that's going to go? See, we- that's, this is what I mean. I think you know people look at uh, picking the games on the merit of the lineups and and the coaching, and you know that's it's never a bad way. You'll be right more often than you're wrong that way. But I definitely think um, when you're looking at who's going to make bigger plays and you're looking at point spreads and things like that. You have to really take into consideration, okay, the Chiefs and ran over everything, but when it comes to the cold conditions, who's that going to be a bigger level for this week, Mahomes or Brady? Well, if the Patriots run the ball, then neither. <laughs> well, they we'll, both ran the ball, that's but we'll get true. to that. We will, we will, later on in our championship picks, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Uh, two podcasts this week, guys. Tuesday is just your standard Murph and I babbling on, and then Thursday we're going to have a bit of a rookie manager special edition where a member of the OG League is going to come on to the podcast stare nervously down the microphone <laughs> quaking his little boots and then talk to us about how we got into fantasy yada 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 I mean you know we've had all the big NFL names we've got more to come but we thought we'd almost grassroots it and get somebody involved who has only just started yeah we get a lot of feedback actually from people who are looking to get into fantasy football, maybe you've just started playing fantasy football, or and there's a lot of people that are really eager to get in, but perhaps don't know how to get started, and it's that fear of making mistakes and everything. So this episode's really geared at people who um, are long-time players, because it's always good at learning from somebody who's picking up new tactics, and people are just picking it up at the beginning. Um, the Sean McVeigh's of the world, as you will. Um, and then you've got... Um, for new listeners, this is really invaluable because you're going to understand that actually the game <clears throat> to pick up is rather easy and there's not a lot of fear. To master is a lot more work, but 
we take a lot of the workload out for you. So um, I've spoken to quite a few people on Facebook and Twitter recently that they're really keen to get started. So I think that pod is going to be invaluable to them. For sure. Um, without further ado, I suppose, after mentioning those, go find us on all your favourite podcast providers. If you're listening, you found us and we appreciate it. Give us a little review we appreciate those and currently we've had four reviews for the special edition patches uh, yeah that's correct we've had four yeah so four reviews since last week guys we appreciate every single one of those we've got 21 patches left and they are red hot speaking of patches i i do have a slight confession that we've ordered them the 25 have been ordered they're processing but there's going to be about a 25 day wait because it was considerably cheaper to to wait 25 days than it was to get them delivered within a week. Uh, I'm sure you can all understand that we're doing this in my mum's garage slash studio. So, Which, by the way, thank you to everybody that has um, messaged about that. I posted the video or the, the picture last week, mostly in response to uh, <laughs> the fantasy footballers because they had their uh, AMA and they were talking about big heads and I was like, yeah, I can just show off how big my head is. Um, <laughs> so it was a good segue in. And uh, yeah, lots of people commented on how awesome the studio is. And we've had lots of responses from people who want to come down and pod here. And we, I've been talking to people that are based in Scotland. So shout out to Tim at the Full 10 Yards podcast, who we were on uh, last week. So it's definitely when he's down this way. He actually uh, grew up in Ashton. Oh, your neck of the woods. Yeah, my neck of the woods, so, uh, which isn't far from where we record. So I was like, oh, okay, brilliant, let's do that. So when he comes down, we're, we're going to get him on, but we're looking to get, um, I think the Ice of the Kicker boys are going to come on. Yeah, Charlie and Tom. So Charlie and Tom have agreed. Um, so we're going to get that to you at some point in February, and there's going to be some more guests. So um, we've had some requests for some video tours. <laughs> uh, we'll just mean a video stood in one place, guys. Let me just make this <laughs> fully aware. It's, it's yeah. not a full four-sided studio <laughs> not yet <laughs> one day will be though one day um but yeah we'll show it off and we're, we're looking forward to it so yeah yeah thanks for the love i appreciate it considering my hands bled and sweat for this bad boy yeah. and mine didn't <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know i built it and you pushed it out there and that's how we roll exactly so today like we mentioned we've got our nfc picks for if you're in fantasy and stuff like that got some news schedule for mr nick murph yeah, just uh, we're going to recap the games and uh, look look ahead. Some people have been asking for some predictions, um, as well as also some streets, which is going to be scattered all through. We've got a couple of Twitter whoa, questions. Whoa, 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 You're going to scatter the streets through the episode? Oh, no, there'll be streets at the end, but there's just going to be some stats through. Okay. It's okay. kind of an undercurrent all the way. I was going to say, that is really messing with my feng shui. No, no, no. There's going to be a, a one at the end. There's just going to be some street stats that are going to be integrated as we talk about some of the game. So what you're saying is the streets are leaking out into the real world. Think of it as the Pied Piper. and That I, story ended badly. Well, okay, but the, positive. So I'm the Pied Piper and I'm just clearing the streets of all the... So it's the last time of the season there's going to be really any meaningful stats. Maybe next week in the Super Bowl there'll be a few. But obviously as the games decrease, there's less stats. If you can see my sad eyes, people, they are very sad. <laughs> Don't worry. There will be stats through, but there just won't be game-relevant stats. Okay. We've got games. Well, let's move on to the news. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Saints game. One of the better games of the weekend, I think. That was the best game of the weekend, Peter, oh, because it was the only one that was yeah. close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the games were good if you, if you were just a fan of football. You know, the Chiefs blasted out early doors over the Colts. 
I know it's not great watching, but it sets up the four highest scoring teams are now in the divisional championship game. So thanks, that's uh, something from the streets. Cheers. Well, I can't not. You know, I'm from. <laughs> I've got to touch on some of it. Otherwise, there's nothing here for me. I'll tell you what, Murphy, carry on. No, 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 it's fine. Um, that Saints game was uh, good. So Nick Foles uh, ran out to a 14 to nothing lead. Then mm, that was it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's interesting that I think this game really swung uh, when it was 14 zip. And then um, the Eagles decline a penalty on four from one, and then the fake punt, and then Taysom Hill keeps the ball. If you see Taysom Hill, chances are it's going to be a fake. Yeah, I think there was some definite. How do you not? How do you not know that yeah. there, there's a chance there? And he got more than a yard. Like it just was to me. That's just basics. That if you see someone of that caliber in there, he's not in there just to make up numbers. Yeah, it's like Mahomes holding for a, of like yeah. yeah. It's just nuts. So I don't know why. And then they score on that drive. Um, they get um, a field goal right before half time. Twenty, you know, fourteen ten, and they come back and they put in a dominant performance in the in the second half. So they will play the Rams in the NFC Championship game. I thought the Saints game was. It showed why they're there. Great run defense, top two in the in the NFL. They actually led that category for most of the game. And I felt that it was a good, it was a good performance all round, but very slow starting. And I just think towards the end, the Eagles kind of ran out of puff. It showed that they had some major gaps. Fletcher Cox going off didn't help, and some injuries went, which just didn't go their way. But ultimately, they lack a really elite runner, and that was, I think, the difference in this game. Yeah, that, yeah, that that fourth and three early on, that was definitely the pivotal moment, wasn't it? Where they well fourth and one, but declined the penalty, and then you. You're staring down the barrel if you're the Saints and don't make that because they would have got the ball back on the 20 yard line or something like that, 30 yards. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's uh, I mean, it would have been third and third and six if they'd taken the penalty, right? So they're kind of keeping it alive, but and they're saying, well, based on where the ball is, it was inside their own sort of 20, the, the Saints' own 25 yard, 30 yard range. So they've kind of taken that decision of, well, I'm sure they're going to punt anyway, and it turned out that they didn't. So you know, it's a tough one in that part of the field. Coaches will more often or not, not, you know, they'll decline the penalty because it's fourth down. But you know, Sean Payton and the Saints are aggressive. They're going to go for it. So and go for it. They did and turn the tide. Yeah, definitely. So the Rams, they do you know the franchise record in that game? Do you know that? Yeah, I do. Um, for Damn most uh, rushing yards in a playoff game. No, not that one. Another one. Oh, um, two rushes over a hundred yards in the playoffs. Damn it. Yeah, that was it, Murph. Well done. <laughs> you can take Murph out the streets, but you can't take the streets out, Murph. Yeah, that was it. So, the Saints' opponents will be the Rams, who rammed, pun intended, the rock down the Dallas D's throat. Dallas D's been pretty good this season against the Rams. I mean, they stopped Seattle last week. Yeah, I mean, they've been great. Um, you know, they've got a great linebacker corn there to, to back up the O-line, and um, arguably probably the best linebacker corn in the league, or certainly up there for consideration. So, they did... Um, they just, I don't really know what to think of it. I actually think that this this game was won and lost on the O-line by the Rams and being able to stop Elliott. I mean, I know he scores a touchdown, but, you know, to cut him down to 45, 46 yards or whatever it was he got, it was under 50. You know, it's amazing work. Um, so the guys on the O-line for the Rams had played a combined like 480-odd games. And it had between them one playoff win. 
Shut the front door. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's mad. Yeah. So they've assembled some great talent with a lot of experience, but maybe not in this kind of territory and last home game of the season. Uh, they did a, a phenomenal job and to get not one, but two guys rushing over a hundred yards is, is impressive. And, you know, I saw a lot of things on Twitter from Panthers fans and from Raiders fans saying, I don't know why we've let CJ Anderson go. Um, CJ Anderson is a guy that I would say is rotund. <laughs> you can see why teams let him go. It just tells you how great the uh, O-line is in creating gaps. And we'll, we'll touch upon another game where uh, that was really on show in this round. And I think that's what you've got to understand is, yes, you can get elite running backs and you can get running backs that are brilliant. But ultimately, if they're put behind a shoddy line, they're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that credit goes to the line. So yes, CJ Anderson puts in a phenomenal effort, but you know, that that Panthers O line hasn't been brilliant this season. The Raiders O line certainly hasn't been good this season. There is a reason why he didn't show anything in those two franchises that he has done now with uh, the Rams and that is that O line creating the holes, creating the space and allowing him to run through, ripping up uh, the defensive line of opponents and just creating massive, massive gaps. He's got talent. Anybody in the NFL has, is a talented football player. But if you're not creating the space, not creating the gaps, they're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So that's why. So I wouldn't be cursing if I'm one of those two teams thinking, I wish we kept him. We've let someone absolutely stud go. I don't know if that's the case. I think it's a combination of he's obviously got some talent. He's got quick burst and he's got strength. But at the same time, he's been given huge gaps to run through. And yeah. they carved Alice apart. And don't forget, he's he's not a 16-game player either. He doesn't follow our rule of 16. If he gets given a heavy workload, he breaks down. Yeah. So, I mean, you give him three games at the end of the season, and he's got, not only has he got fresh legs, but he's coming up against defences that have been playing all season. So they're going to be slightly fatigued. He's got fresh legs. He's got the benefit of the O-line making him holes that you could drive a double-decker through. And... So I think it's the same situation at the Steelers. You put any running back behind that O-line and the scheme, and you've got yourself a stud running back. Well, that's what you see with James Conner coming in. James Conner's come in and put in almost the exact same performance that Lev Bell has done. Um, if if you not look better. At it, yeah, if you look at average carries, etc. The credit really goes to Les Need. He knew that Gurley was hurt. He knew that he'd worn him out, or the coaching had run, worn him out. He was carrying injuries. He went straight into the market. He picked up an experienced running back. And he, he had the confidence of the coaching staff to say, look, I know that we're going to get production here. If I can get someone with quick enough burst and who's got some strength, they'll be useful. And, I mean, what a great piece of uh, management from the front office to bring in a guy like this who, you know, they've got a decision to make now. Do they keep him next year and give him a contract or not? And I expect they probably will, but it might also stifle the talent of a couple of guys they got on the roster, like John Kelly, for example. Yeah. And these are things they've got to weigh up, but what a nice problem to have. Yeah, it could be the other way around and have absolutely no one. Yeah. But it's what Les Snead has done for each of the last two years, just kept assembling talent and giving McVeigh every chance uh, to get them to the Super Bowl, and it's paid dividends here. Do you think they keep him on and, and go for the one-two punch like the Saints have done with Kamara and Ingram? No. You don't You don't think it affects Gurley whatsoever? Uh, no, I wouldn't be worried about Gurley's production. Gurley is not fit currently, um, and they're keeping him to um, downs where they need him and they're keeping him fresh, and it's a beautiful situation to have after a, a very long, hard season. But Gurley's a three-down back. He has so much more to offer with what he can do in the passing game, and, you know, I'm going to touch upon this 
a bit later on. Um, I'll probably touch upon it now, actually. I don't think Jared Goff had a very good game. And I think that this combination at the moment is what is carrying the Rams. And when we do our preview, I think Jared Goff needs to step up. Because I, I think since that bye, since that amazing game against the, the Chiefs, I don't think he's been anywhere near good enough. And you're looking at the, the, the four quarterbacks left in this. You've got Mahomes, who led the league in passing and touchdowns and yards. You've got Brady, who's arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And you've got Breeze, who's going to the Hall of Fame. There is a weak link of these four, and it is Jared Goff. <laughs> by a country mile. Yeah. And listen, Jared Goff's had a good season. Um, not as good as it could have been, especially with that stretch down the end. And for me, some of those passes were very errant. Um, the guy had no pressure on him. So to give you some some stats, because you know how much I love stats, Jared Goff was pressured once of his 28 dropbacks. So that's a 3.4% rate of pressure, which is the second lowest for any quarterback this season with a minimum of 20 dropbacks. Wow. And he has one throwing, you know, one, one passing touchdown. Is that not only the way they played the game through the running of the ball, though, as well? No, because he had opportunities in the red zones, but he kept overthrowing. They ended up running it in, but... They were running it in when it got to short yardage. But, I mean, look, they listen. They had a significant amount of rushing yards halfway through the fourth quarter. The Rams had 250 rushing yards, and the Cowboys had 249 total yards. But there was you look at how explosive that, that team is with what they do with formations and trickery and getting men open. There were men open. There were open throws that were being missed by Jared Goff. Listen, I'm not saying he was terrible. He had a... I think a below average game, but it wasn't to the point where you're siving him down and saying that it was abysmal because it wasn't. He didn't make any major mistakes, didn't turn the ball over. It's not like I'm saying that he's the worst quarterback that's ever lived. My point is when you're going against the second best run defense in the NFL, in the Saints, at their place in the dome, and they can stop the run potentially, Jared Goff is potentially going to have to throw to win the game. And at this point, from what I've seen in the last seven, eight weeks, I don't think he can. Fair. But I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying at this moment. And when you've got that much time and you've got that much space and you're not getting pressured, and you're, he had one course back here and no sacks. And he didn't, for me, did not take the opportunity to really kill the game off. Those are the, the, the type of, I guess, opportunities that you need to take then in that sort of situation. Yeah, I'm not saying he had to put 50 points up on the board, but... You know, when you get into the red zone, they settle for field goals. I think Zerline hit, what, three or four field goals? Mm. Like, you're talking about there was a lot of points left there um, for him. And there were two of them were very short field goals. So I just think, for me, he's not made the most of the opportunities that were there for him. And that I'm looking at his motion. It just looks a little bit off. I said this weeks ago, the ball's not coming out right. I saw many instances where it's, it's not spiralling. It's coming out sideways. He just doesn't look like a quarterback. But I will say this. There was one play towards the end of the game that sort of iced the game with this run. He's identified the space. He's rushed and got the first down. It pretty much killed the game. And that was crucial. And that is what he can do, but he needs to do more in the air for me. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see this coming weekend. Moving on. <clears throat> Moving on. The Patriots have proved everybody wrong. Stuffed the Chargers 41-28. I saw pretty much everybody back the Chargers in this one. Not me. No, I mean... I think I did. I did. But 
I just don't see how you can ever back against the Patriots. So, again, I'm going to back the Chiefs this weekend because I think it would be quite a story for Mahomes to come in in his first full season and just shred it like he has done and go on and win the Super Bowl. It would be nice to see anyway, just because of the records he set and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. This, I mean, this game was over well before half-time. I just thought that fundamentally the Chargers were... Terrible is too strong a word, but not far off. I just feel like every everywhere they went, what they did so well in the you know in the wild card round against Baltimore, they were creative with what they were doing with the defense. They were um, bringing seven up, really pressuring, stopping the run. They knew what the Ravens were going to throw at them and stop the run. Really controlled it. And what the Patriots just went, all right. You think we're just going to toss this ball in the air? No, we'll beat you on the ground. We'll just absolutely strangle you. We're going to control the ball. We're going to run the clock. And we're going to score past you every time we can. And we're just going to shove it, shove it, shove it down your throat. And that's exactly what they did. Um, Belichick is the master at coming up with mismatches. He did it all game long. But the Chargers made basic errors. Um, Pass interception in the end zone. Or pass interference on the end zone. Extending a drive that was going to be settled for three. Holding call when... Hogan misses the ball. It was a difficult one where he's reached up high. Holding court, extends the drive, score a touchdown. There was just fundamental errors, misreads. You saw three receivers lining up and all of a sudden they're kind of all run into each other and then there's a busted play and Rivers dumps it off and it's a tackle for loss. Just all through it, Rivers didn't look particularly brilliant. I think the only player that can come out of that with any morsel sort of credit is Keenan Allen because the way he ran his routes, he got his touchdown early, uh, the two-point conversion... I thought Allen was excellent. I would say he was probably the only one that can walk away from that game saying, I did absolutely everything in my power. I just felt there was too much. The The O-line got pummeled. The, the D-line didn't put any pressure on Brady. Brady had all the time in the world. They didn't stop the run very well. Um, this was a clinic. It was an absolute clinic of yeah, how to win a playoff game and just how to completely trounce an opposition. At half-time, so I think a minute before half-time, the Patriots had 21 first downs and over 300 yards of offense. <laughs> the Chargers have run 20 plays. <laughs> yeah, more first downs than plays run. It's just nuts. So, you know. They always do it though, don't they? In divisional games and in championship games, they or even just when they're at home, they generally score on their first. Well, this is the first playoff game in, in, in eight where they'd actually scored on their first drive. Oh, so maybe it's just regular season wins. Regular season, when you go to Foxborough, they score on you on their first drive and then they... And they came out and did it this weekend, stated their intention. And well, they scored in the opening three or four possessions, and it's 28-7, and before you know it, the game's over. Yeah. Then there's a muff punt. Again, it's another silly, silly error from the Chargers, and all of a sudden, it's 35-7, it's nearly half-time, game's done. Yeah. It's, it's over. You can talk about the Chargers came into it and showed heart. Listen, the Patriots deep played zone coverage, didn't give up big plays, and let the clock run down, and kicked a couple of field goals just to keep it keep it ticking over. But ultimately, I thought the Chargers were, were, were poor. And I think well, think what people look at, and, and this is a mistake, people look at the personnel that the Patriots have and compare them against themselves. There's two constants in everything they've done the turn of the century. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. The coaching is elite. You're not going to get a better coaching system in the NFL. They get guys who are utility knives, who can do this, do that, can do things that nobody else can and they come up with plays Philip Dorsett utility player 
They're taking wide receivers and playing them at running back. They're taking running backs and playing them at wide receiver. You've got Gronk, who I thought in this game was phenomenal. Everyone looks, oh, he's made one reception all game. Doesn't matter. He made 10, 12, 15 blocks where Michelle or White or whoever wanted to have a run just opened up for them. He was responsible for three of the touchdowns with his blocking, at least assisting. Yep. And he was elite in what he does. And when you've got a guy like that, it's like an extra offensive lineman. You mm. just sit in there and go, great, there's an extra hole. Thanks very much. He's been doing it for years. And people say he should retire. Okay, he's not maybe fantasy relevant as much as he was or fantasy dominant. But when you've got a guy like that who can create that kind of space, I mean, brilliant. And I make them favourites. Uh, they're probably not favourites in the bookies, but I think uh, I think the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl 100%. I called uh, Saints-Pats weeks and weeks ago. I still think that's the case. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think James White had six catches on the first series. Yeah. And then finished up with 15 or 16 receptions and no rushes. Yeah. That's re- absolutely ridiculous. This is what I mean, but this is what the Patriots can do. Whenever the league is pivoting <coughs> one way, Tony Romo said this in the coverage, the league pivot one way, the Patriots go another way. Every time. They always know what to do and when to do it. And when they lose... They never beat themselves, really. They just get beaten. You look at last year's Super Bowl. They they would have beaten 30 teams in the NFL in that game. At their best, probably. The Eagles just produced something magical. Yeah. And it's going to take an absolute powerhouse to beat them. Well, they're, they're the quintessential chameleon football team, aren't they? 2003, 2004, they pounded the rock down your throat. 2007 comes along. Brady's got himself some absolute stud receivers. And then they air it out, and now all of a sudden, when it's become a gunslinging NFL, Bill Belichick's pounding the rock and putting the Chargers, who have possibly one of the best front four defensively, just to the sword. Plus, with the utility players like Doe and James, who can who can line up there and, and make plays, and they just didn't have an answer. And you know, it was it was game over quick. And it's going to be an interesting, interesting game, and we'll see what happens Sunday. Yeah, moving on, the Chiefs. The playoff curse has ended. They smashed the Colts. Oh, this wasn't even a game. No, I think twice this weekend you sent me a text and saying this one's over. And it might as well have just been a copy and paste. It's just, yeah. had it not been for the muff punt, you know, that's the first time they've had a block punt in, well, forever. Yeah, yeah, a few years. Yeah, I think three years, something like that. And had that not have been blocked, I can't see the Colts scoring before half term. And they didn't need to come out of second gear for the rest of the game. Well, I, again, we talked about doing the fundamentals and we said that the Chargers didn't do this. The, the Colts especially. I thought Andrew Luck was, was pretty poor. Um, Hilton's hurt, so you have to give him a bit of a pass. But if he's hurt that badly, you need to consider not playing him because there was just times he was just a bit short and was, was getting beaten. But this is where I think this is where the game was really pivotal. Was the Colts led the NFL in third down uh, conversion percentage so they converted nearly 50% 48.6% during the regular season last week when they played the six, the Texans it was they were 9 for 14 so 64.3% on third down they were 0-9 against the Chiefs they didn't make a third down wow that's you know that's why you lose the game yeah of course I mean, you're not extending drives you're you look on the other side of the, of the bracket and the Saints are making third and 20s third and 15s third and 16s and like it's third and nothing, and then the Colts can't. It's just three and out every time. There was one passing touchdown this whole game, and that was to Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> that, that, that's what's crazy, but that was the weather. 
uh, you know, it was much more difficult to throw the ball. The conditions do play a part in that. It's why we pivoted from Mahomes. We didn't feel there was going to be a ton of yards, and we were right to do that. And, you know, he gets his touchdown on the ground. Uh, Damian Williams had a career day. He looks like he could be the number one there, but you have to wait and see. I just think my my I think the, the the Chiefs D in this were elite. They D Ford was everywhere. He was brilliant. You know I, this was as, as dominant a performance I've seen from a defensive player in a long time. He was absolutely superb. I don't think he's going to get the luxury next week to put in the kind of game. I still think if you take me the four teams left, I think the Patriots have the best defense overall. Okay. So I think that that's <clears> going to be the key part. If they can dominate the line and they can put pressure on Brady. I think the Chiefs have a chance. If they can't do that, this game's over. Well, I think you had two of the best defensive ends in the game in Ingram and Bosa. Just no-shows against the offensive line. So, D Ford's yeah. good, but Justin Houston's good. Justin Houston, again, had another brilliant game. He was absolutely superb. I think they're the most penalised defence in the league. But I think that's where, again, you're looking at the Patriots who produce the second fewest amount of penalty yards. Yeah. And the Chiefs who produce a very high amount. You're, these are the sorts of things you look at when trying to weigh it up, because you're looking at well-drilled teams. And the Chiefs are definitely up there, especially offensively. Listen, offensively, they're as good as anybody. Um, But defensively, they had a very complete game against the Colts. They're going to need to do even better than what they produced to have a chance. But we'll get to the the pre-game, I guess, in a bit. If we have time, Murph, we are smashing through today. So we've got some coaching news for you all. Adam Gaze has been hired as the head coach of the Jets and looks like a real weirdo. (laughs) My God, this this was just bizarre. So did you, I tweet, did you tweet that taco thing out? Oh, I did. I had to. Uh, so I sent you the actual video before. So Gaze is looking around like he's like he's tracking a fly, and then credit to whoever has come up with the taco meme, where somebody has basically filmed him watching this taco just sort of going around. <laughs> just it's just absolutely. It's on our Twitter feed. Uh, go find it. It's hilarious. Um, uh, it just. He looks like he's been brainwashed. He's just bizarre. I've never seen someone sit there and just be so uncomfortable. He's as stiff as a board, moving his head around. With but his properly eyes. staring as well, he's like wide-eyed frog staring, but not at one thing like he's transfixed. He's just following absolute Jack. <laughs> round, round it's oh, weird. It's so weird. Um, it's an interesting hire. Um, I don't know. That That's one I would say I'd have to wait and see how it pans out. Greg Williams as the DC... Um, you know, it's a good move. You've got a lot of experience there. You know, questionable character, you could say at times. Did a great job last season with Cleveland. Um, I wouldn't say he was necessarily the best DC. And actually, the defense improved when he moved from being a DC to a head, to a head coach or interim head coach. So uh, we'll see. But listen, he's well drilled and, and he will get them blitz in and he'll get them uh, putting pressure on. So we'll see what happens there. But at least you've brought in experience into the room. Yeah, they got a sneaky good D as well, the Jets. They need a pass yeah. rush desperately, but this draft is absolutely stacked, stacked with it. So you, you're happy there. Um, they just need to get Darnold up and running. Um, I'm what? not. I'm not bought into Adam Gaze as the quarterback whisperer. Um, well, that's because you've got the best in the world now. Well, it's not even that. <laughs> we'll get to him. My, my point is that Adam Gaze looked good when he coached Peyton Manning. All right, he's one of the best quarterbacks has ever played. I don't like the guy, but I respect what he is as a player. All right, Ryan Tannehill was hurt. Fine. Jay Cutler, pretty poor. Brocktober, pretty poor. I, uh, Don't I'm, mention that, it's not October. Yeah, you know, but listen, if he does it with Darnold, fair play. That's why he's been hired. He's going to be judged on how Sam Darnold gets on. 
in the next two years. And guess what? If Sam Darnold doesn't fulfill his potential, Adam Gaze will be out of there uh, as fast as he was out of Miami. <laughs> Could be pretty quick then. Yeah. Freddie Kitchens is the new head coach of the Browns, and Todd Munkin and Steve Wilkes will be the OC in DC. That's quite a lineup. Love this. Uh, listen, it, this is this is a ballsy move, but I love it. They knew that if they didn't give Kitchens the job, he was going to go um, and be uh, a, a head coach somewhere. It would be probably an OC this year and a head coach the following year. Uh, they wanted to keep him in the building. This guy got promoted from a uh, running back coach to a head coach in nine games. <laughs> I love that. Via <laughs> being an OC. And it's his relationship with uh, Baker Mayfield, which was amazing. You've got Todd Bunkin, who was at the Bucks last year. Uh, he's the one that was you know, responsible for Fitzmagic in terms of the play calling early on and the exciting 400 yards games and five TDs and four TDs. So uh, he's a very, very good coaching candidate. I, I think he's there one year, and I think he's, an, I think he's a head coach next year somewhere. Todd Bunkin, I think he's a brilliant coordinator he's not going to call the plays that will be Freddie Kitchen but he will do a great job there Steve Wilkes as we know is with the Cardinals great defensive mind um, it's a really good hire I really like this as a, as a coaching staff I think that is you know as, as good as you can probably get and it's exciting times for the Browns I know they're excited as fans and uh, who can blame you with these hires yeah talking of exciting moves the Team Orange my boys the Broncos looked really good for a brief moment still good I think Vic Fangio Bears DC has come over as head coach, which isn't a terrible move. We've got a good D, and if he can keep it somewhat like the Bears, then I like that. Gary Kubiak was in as the OC, was out as the OC. I, didn't, I don't really know what happened exactly there, but he's no longer. I think he's been taken on as an advisor at... Uh, the Vikings. The Vikings, yeah. So an offensive advisor. I think that's a nice way to make some bucks. So well done, Gary, there. Yeah, but you've just brought in today Mike Munchak... Um, as your new O-line coach, he's leaving Pittsburgh in a sideways move. So he's not getting a promotion. He was an O-line coach there, and now he's going to be the O-line coach here. So, um, I mean, Vangio is, is a really well-respected and liked coach. Um, I think you need to get an offensive genius in there to help him. Uh, he's very defensive-minded, but listen, he's worthy of a shot. Um, you're almost going back to the days of winning your Super Bowls and your, your playoff games with your defense and hoping that you just have a quarterback that kind of goes in um, it's interesting because it's a, it's a different pivot to where the rest of the league is going. Everyone's going for the new uh, Sean McVay and the exciting offences and, uh, you know, the the Broncos have gone a different way, which isn't wrong, but uh, it could be a brilliant move. Case of the Belichick, Zig, when everyone else is out. Yeah, exactly that. Um, it's a lot of pressure for Elway, though. I think he gets this one wrong. I don't think he gets another higher. So we'll no. see. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Murph, you can take the next one. Fire those cannons. I mean, we talked about this on the pod last week. I've written an article which has been shared. Um, Bruce Arians is head coach of the Buccaneers. You're not getting a bet higher, especially in Tampa. Um, I love this for so many reasons. Uh, and I wrote the piece. I'm not going to hash it out here. But you've got someone who has a relationship with the quarterback. Um, he's already said that, you know, Jameis is going to be the quarterback next year. It's his team. There's none of this whole, is it going to be Fitzmagic? Is it going to be uh, Winston? And and that really hurt the team, I think, looking back at it. Um, and what you've got there is is a properly offensive-minded coach. But you know what I love about this more than anything? And he does his press conference. I'm not going to spend too long on this. Oh, and no, just, it's just, it was just something that really set on me that like I don't understand why other teams don't do this. When he, made the, when he got the job, he said he wants to have the largest coaching staff in the NFL. 
how I'm going to hire all these coaches. And then he's basically said, why? In the press conference, he's like, well, basically, you can't find young talent sitting there standing on the sidelines. They have to play. So when he's going into training camps, he's going to have the firsts, effectively, you, you know, your, your premium uh, 53-man squad, or not even all of them, but you're talking about your first-team uh, offensive unit. But then he's going to run an entire second team to run and do drills and plays and everything because he's fully believing in the next man up. We're going to get injuries. So you, typically in a training camp, your quarterback, your first-string quarterback will take 95% of the snaps, maybe 90% of the snaps. Your backup will get a handful of snaps. Your third quarterback will take two max, if that. So he's essentially going to be running parallel drills as opposed to one in, one out. Exactly that. But the NFL has only ever done it, so your first string get almost the majority of the snaps. So he has hired the extra coaching staff to effectively run, yeah, a backup. A second program, almost. Yeah, exactly that. So they're going to be on the same training fields or maybe on adjacent fields, but they're going to run the same playbook. They're going to drill. They're going to learn. So you're going to have more players that actually, when you lose, and you saw this with him in, in Arizona, when they lose Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton has not just had five or six snaps every week. He's, he's had a full week of practice, so he's ready to go. Um, it's just everyone is then dialed in at the same time, aren't they? Exactly that, which is like, I don't understand how this is like this revolutionary way. Of, to me, that's just common sense. But I love that, and I think it's going to make the team. Todd Bowles as DC is an amazing hire. Brian Leffridge, this is his chance to prove that he's a proper OC. He got short end of the stick last year, so we'll see what happens. Hmm. Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Sean this... Kugler's in an O-line coach. And Vance Jervis, Joseph, apologies, as their DC. Again, we talked about this last week. It's a really left-field hire. A guy who was at USC for five weeks. And, um, <laughs> you know, he was he, you know, he was a head coach at Texas Tech. He got fired. He took the USC uh, offensive coordinator job and without playing a game, has now left and gone to Arizona. And, you know, he's an offensive genius. So for those of you that aren't familiar, he sort of, I wouldn't say came up with, but definitely adopts and uses the air raid model, which is a lot of short passes and spread attacks and, <laughs> and things like that. So um, what, what you've got to kind of remember is he's very young. It's, this is the, we're chasing the new Sean McVay, Sean McVay which while everyone does it, but what they have done, and credit to him, is they've hired Vance Joseph as their DC, which again I think is another really good appointment. You need to have someone extremely strong, and basically say, "Look, I'm not interested in the outside of the ball. It's your baby." And effectively, as a head coach of the defense, and Vance Joseph being a head coach for as long as he was, at least you've got someone there with that experience. It's a bit like me and you, really. In what way? If sort of I'm the offensive coach in, in doing the producing and all the manufacturing and stuff like that, and then you're the DC on the social media and plugging side of it, and I trust you to do that, and you trust me to do that, and yeah, it, it's exactly that, and that's how you get the best results. And he's just got to be dialed in to know what's going on, and that's ultimately what happens. If we have a third person, that's kind of what they would do. So it's a good use of of, of appeal and 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 resources. It's just whether or not he, he listen. He's never been a coach in the NFL. <laughs> It's a steep learning curve, and let's hope they give him longer than a year because he's going to need it. Yeah, a couple of hires now which won't take place until their teams are eliminated from the competition. The Bengals like to hire Zach Taylor, who's the Rams' quarterback coach. Again, can't make that official until the Rams are eliminated. And the Dolphins are going to hire Brian Flores, Patriots DC, and again, can't make that official. Don't really know any of them, if I'm honest. I mean, Flores is in charge of the Patriots D now. Uh, he took over from... 
Uh, Matt Patricia, he, he's done a great job this year, um, as always. Uh, Zach Taylor is a very exciting coach. Again, you're looking at the, the Sean McVay-esque sort of coach, um, which comes from the Mike Shanahan offense. And uh, yeah, you're going through through there. So um, interesting hires. Um, I like Flores. I mean, Taylor could be one of these amazing coaches. He's coached in the NFL a while. Um, I don't know how I feel about that as much as I do. I think Flores is, is a good hire. I think that's a, a good a good pick there. Yeah. Uh, business if they get that done which you would expect them to do Murph why are you on sleeper <laughs> Josh just sent me a trade of course he did <laughs> it's probably going to be something I'm not massively interested in Josh stop it uh, get help <laughs> let's see I'll, I'm going to slash through this quick while you look at <laughs> Ronald Jones for Philip Lindsay <laughs> have it decline faster than you could see <laughs> well, there you are Josh there's your weekly mention yeah. moving on to these next bits real quick Maroon 5 are going to play the halftime show it's the Super Bowl Veteran linebacker Sean Lee is to mould the future with the Cowboys. Yeah, he's not playing at the moment because of Van Der Esch, so it makes sense. Yeah, Jason Garrett's planning an extension with the Cowboys. Yeah, kind of brainer. Uh, the Bears have replaced Fangio with former Colts head coach Chuck Pagano. I love this. I love this as a hire. That is a great bit. That is a great hire. I love Chuck Pagano. Got a lot of love for him. Um, I think it's a great, great hire. Uh, where am I at? Steelers president. Art Rooney? Yes. Has, he said he's open to trading Antonio Brown. Um, make of that what you will. This story's going to drag on and on and on and on. It's our next Antonio, uh, sorry, our next left Bell uh, drag on story. So I tell you, the Steelers are imploding. Bell, Brown, the O-line coach. It's not a place to be. It's not a place to be. Don't come to the Broncos, though, Brown. We need a lot more than just being able to pay you with what we've got left of the salary cap. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see who takes it. I mean, if you can get through the first year or so, it's 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 not a bad um, cap situation afterwards. But, yeah, it's just getting through the first year of that deal. Yeah. Huh, schedule this week. The Rams... <coughs> this week's schedule. The Rams are at the Saints, which is on Sunday at five past eight our time. And then the Patriots are at the Chiefs Sunday, 23.40 our time. That's a weird time to start. Yeah, I guess it's just to do with the scheduling adverts and making sure there's enough time left over for maybe in case there's OT or something like that. Yeah, I guess. Well, you've already said your your predictions. You're going Patriots Saints. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs, like I mentioned earlier, and then I think I'm going to say Saints as well. I don't really mind because these teams are all so good. I don't mind at this stage. Not my team. What would you say the scores are going to be? Because we've had some people asking what we would say score-wise. Oh, man, I'm terrible at this. I think... Okay, so here we go. I'm going to go over uh, I'm going to go over 75 points. No, actually, no, I'm not. It's in the snow. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> I, I got all excited there. And, and... Like, what are you doing? I didn't say what game. Well, you said I just the said snow. snow. So I uh, dug <laughs> myself a hole and did not help myself out. It doesn't matter if it's snowing in New Orleans, which it won't because it's a dome. Does it ever snow there? It's too far south, no? It can. It doesn't very often. So in the snow game at the Saints and Rams. <laughs> no, so, oh man, I think it's going to be tight Patriots-Chiefs. I'm going to go Chiefs by a touchdown. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say a score. I'm just saying Chiefs by more than seven. Okay. Or by seven or more. Not more than seven. That could yeah, catch yeah. you out. And then I think... I just think the Saints at home, I think the Dome's going to be rocking. And I'm going to say Rams 24, Saints 31. So I'm similar lines. 
So on that game, I've gone um, Rams 27, Saints 35. Okay. So eight-point game. Um, so similar sort of spread. I just think the Saints are, are, are too good at home. I think they've had their wobble. I think they've got really shaken out of it and will come back better. Um, I just think if they could chuck down Anderson and Gurley, it's down to Goff. I can't see him doing it. Um, I think the Patriots are going to dominate this at the line, and I think they're going to... Um, I don't consider to keep them quiet, but I think you're probably looking at maybe a, a 38, 31, 32 sort of game. I think within a touchdown, I think the Patriots will just outscore them just with the combinations that they have. Um, I think Edelman's in for a big game, and I think Michelle as well could be uh, a big part of this as well. And you might see Gronk steal the touchdown as well. So, at Daza Haggerty wants to know, in the NFC Championship game, who will get more rushing yards and touchdowns? <clears throat> rushing yards, I still think the Rams, just the way that they use Kamara, Kamara is more of this, he's more of a threat in the, the passing game. He's not really getting the... 100 yards pure rushing a game kind of scenario. So I do think Gurley will lead in touchdowns. Yeah. Um, sorry, in yards. Uh, but I think Kamara, if it's rushing touchdowns, uh, either touchdowns. I think Kamara will get more touchdowns, but I think Gurley will get more yards. That's what I think. I couldn't agree. I think I think that's decent. Um, so all Sean Blundell at all 32 Sean. I don't know. If run, I don't get that. Yeah. Seventeen. So sorry. That's just. I just copied it from from Twitter. So with Freddie Kitchens now confirmed as the Browns head coach. What are your way too early predictions for what fantasy QB ranking Baker Mayfield finishes next year? And it's a good question, and that we've done absolutely no analysis on on this um, in terms of looking at head coaching hires, um, and it's going to tie in with our next question as to how that kind of works and and rankings or anything. I think for me, he's probably going to be a top 14 quarterback. I wouldn't state at this stage where I think he's going to be. I think he, I think he'd be somewhere between 11 and 14. Uh, but I haven't done any real sit-down or workings and tying in the new coaches or anything. But that's the range I'd sort of put him in. I reckon 8 to 12. Okay. And at the higher end, I think he's going to be top 10. I can totally see that. Like, I, I'm not sitting here saying I don't... I don't rate him. I think he's a brilliant player. I just think there's a bit of talent that we've got to uh, evaluate. And um, I like continuity, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Shout out to Lee, winner of the jersey at Lee Top Landing. He wants to know, how do new coaches affect the fantasy value of established players? So I said to Lee when I replied to this, uh, massively, I think this is an entire pod. I think when we know what all the coaches are going to be, when the Super Bowl's done... Um, and we know what all the staff looks like. Um, we can look at their previous track records, what they've done, and we can start to analyse. But to give you an example of just how important I think this is, um, when Jeff Fisher got fired at the Rams and Sean McVay came in, you saw Todd Gurley be a mid-second round pick after, well, I mean, he probably wasn't that season, but his production would have meant the following year he was a mid-second, maybe even a third round pick, and he went to be number one in, in any draft. And that's the big difference in bringing in a new coach. If you can find a coach with the right fit, I think it's going to be massively important. So you're looking at, for example, if you're playing redraft leagues, you'll be wanting to get big shares of someone like Jameis Winston late on. Um, maybe someone like Chris Godwin, depending on what happens with D-Jax. With D-Jax. Um, with, um, you know, Matt Flower, you might want to look at 
who he's going to maybe just you know Devonte Adams obviously is a given, but maybe you want to look at who that second receiver is. Maybe uh, Valdez Scantling could be more relevant, seeing what they do there. I see what you did there. Um, yeah, <laughs> when you're looking at um, the Broncos, for example, if they're going to stick with Case Keenum, what are they going to do there? Does that make it relevant? Is it going to be more of a run? You tend to um, look at defensive teams as teams that run the ball really well. So looking at who's going to be, is it Lindsay or Freeman who are going to run the ball? Uh, maybe it might be even a committee and seeing what they do there. So there's a lot of changes and a lot of things that you need to consider. And we're going to touch this all upon in the entire pod, but it massively affects established players. Well, there you are, Lee. You've managed to get yourself an entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it won't just be for you. It'll be for the rest of Russian Nation as well. But you have ignited Murphs in a statistician. And is, you can't wait for that one. You can see in his eyes right now. I'll be honest. It was something I was, th- I was thinking about anyway, but I just think it's too early to do it. So... I think when we settle down... Couldn't um, agree more. Do you know what else we're going to need another pod for? The fantasy year review? Yeah, we need, we, I think we need to decide when we're going to actually do this soon and just do it as a whole pod. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think we'll do it. Because um, we, there's just we, so much news going on at the moment. We tend to get to 53 minutes every week and think, oh, no, 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 no time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. So it is coming, Rush Nation, just not this week. Uh, do some championship round picks real quick. Murph, you can fire off yours quickly, or first, I should say, to the top of the list. Yeah, so um, this is before I was really made aware of the snow. Um, Sorry, I got you back. So I went with I went with Mahomes. Um, I would probably look to see what that weather situation is like. Um, Snowy, and I'd consider pivoting to maybe Brady. I think I'd, I'd be looking to go between the two of them. I think Breeze is going to be good, but I don't know his touchdown production. As much, and I definitely don't feel confident in golf. So um, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> I think right now I'll stick on on Mahomes. But that's fine. So you've gone with yeah, I've gone with Breeze. Um, but you know, I think I, so. What I did is I, I picked people we, last week. We had very similar list. So my list this week is completely different to yours, except tight end. So yeah, I think that makes sense, and I, I can see it. I think it's it's definitely if the if the weather gets worse up there in in. Uh, Arrowhead, then yeah, I can see how you would definitely want to pivot over to Breeze, and that's something I would definitely consider for our team next week. Yeah. So who you got running back? Uh, I've gone with Gurley, even though I've talked about the um, the run game. Um, I just think he's going to be used very much at the line of scrimmage. I think he gets touchdowns. I don't see him having necessarily a really huge like game he had this week. Same with CJ Anderson. But I think looking at touchdown dependencies at the line, and as I said with Goff, I'm not feeling confident he's throwing a lot of touchdowns. I think he'll they'll get into the red zone, and I think he will score one, maybe two touchdowns. That's kind of why I like that play. So I've gone with Damien Williams, because he's going to be running in the snow. Enough said there. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I've gone for Julian Edelman as well, my wide receiver. great pick. He's my second. I missed the playoff. So. I mean, he's got the second most amount of receptions in the playoffs behind Jerry Rice. All time, but he's not catching rice. No, he's like fifty odd behind. So I don't think so. I've got Michael Thomas, who was uh, our pick last week, and uh, he truly delivered on that number. He's so good, over one hundred and seventy yards and, and a touchdown. So uh, again, I just think he repeats or he gets very close to that kind of production again. So that's why I, I like that play. We've both gone for best Kelsey. tight end in the league. Yeah, you know when you're looking at the four tight ends, you've got Gronk, who's more of a blocking tight end at this point. Um, I couldn't even tell you off the back of my head who the Rams tight end is because they change it so frequently. Um, 
but either way, they're not going to be in the conversation. Um, and then you've got uh, Kelsey. You've got Kelsey, and then you've got Watson, who's on the verge of retirement. Um, so no, I, I, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer. I think if you're not starting Kelsey this week, I don't really know what you're doing. If you're starting Gronk. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only other option. Uh, for kicker? We've both gone for the same kickers, in, or different kickers in the same game. Um, yeah, I don't know. what We've both picked kickers in the snow game, which could be... Well, I just think they're more likely. I think when you're looking at, if it's really, really cold and it's snowy, it is going to be field goals that might decide the game, potentially. Um, so I think they're going to get a lot of points. You can talk about Lutz in the Dome, but I think the Saints are going to score a lot more touchdowns than field goals. So, um, And as I think the Patriots are going to win the game, I think Goskowski will kick more than Butker. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. And then on defensive side, I've gone for the Saints in the Dome. I just think if they can stop the run, Jared Goff cannot throw. Well, yeah. that's, that's harsh. He can, but not well. Yeah, I agree. And as you'd pick the Rams before me... I've just gone with the Rams, not for points. I've just taken points out of the equation. I just think that they will make plays. I think they might get turnovers. They will make sacks. I think they will make plays. I just don't think they'll make enough to win the game. Um, and I think that's... I'm looking at this for more where they might pick up points as opposed to thinking about who's... Gonna, listen, we've got the four best offences in, in the NFL. So um, they're all going to score points and therefore all these defences are going to concede points. So I'm thinking who's going to make the big plays and I've gone with the Rams. Fair. Well, Murph mentioned it earlier. This could be one of the last times we hit the streets. I was sad. I'm sure you're <laughs> all sad too. But Murph, go for it. Um, so, yeah, so as you've kindly mentioned, 2018 is the first time the Super Bowl era that top four scoring offences each reached the conference championship game. So the Chiefs are ranked first with uh, 35.3 points per game. The Rams were second with 32.9 points per game. The Saints, uh, 31.5 points per game. And the Patriots are 27.3 points per game. Um, so, so going on that, sorry to jump in on, on, on your seg, yeah. but the Chiefs normally score eight points a game more than the Patriots, and you're taking the Patriots away at Arrowhead. Yeah. Okay, fair. I, ju- I just think the Chiefs are brilliant at steamrolling teams. I just think they're the sort of team that will put 40 up when they're really going, when they click, they they will against bad teams. They will put a lot of points up on the board, okay. or mediocre teams. If you notice Bill Belichick in his career, he's never been one to put a ton of like 50, 60 points up because he sees it as wasted effort. He's an efficiency coach, so he will see it. Take take Sunday is the perfect example. They're thirty eight to seven up, and so he basically doesn't do much more. He's running the ball, running the clock down. They could have, let's be honest, if they wanted to go all out, if this was the Super Bowl and that was the game out playing, they had to put 55, 60 points up. They had the number. They just went, there's no point. We've got a big game next week. Let's just run the ball, slow it down, take the time off the clock, kick a field goal, done. Legs. Um, yeah, exactly that. So I think that's what hurts the, the Patriots a little bit, and also you got to remember they got the the worst record of the the four teams uh, left in this, and that also goes against them. But yeah, carry on, sir. Uh, teams that scored first in this postseason were seven and zero until the Saints snapped that streak against the Eagles, um, which I found you know really fascinating. So there, there hasn't been a load of late, uh, lead changes. Uh, there was one in the Rams game; they kicked the field goal, then the Cowboys scored a touchdown, and then once the Rams got ahead, that kind of stayed. Uh, New England game stayed very much on. Uh, scoring first, then there was a tie, then they took the lead all the way through, and um, yeah, the Chiefs never conceded the lead once they had it. So um, that's been the trend of the playoffs. Be interesting to see what happens this week. Um, 
And this one, just to finish off, the number one and number two seeds each made the conference championship in both the AFC and the NFC. It's the first time since 2015 with your Broncos, the Patriots, the Panthers, and the Cardinals that the top two seeds have accomplished that feat. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's nice the Broncos are in that list. Yeah, exactly. So, um, they they lose that game? I don't know. Yeah. They um, must have done. No. No, no, no. That would have been when they won the Super Bowl. Oh, when they beat the Panthers. Yeah. When uh, Von Miller was MVP. Von Miller was MVP, and I thought it was Peyton Manning because I had a mind block. Um, yeah. That ruin the illusion. No one else knows that we got that wrong. <laughs> I think everyone who listened to the full 10 yards podcast knew we got that wrong. Yeah, all right. Like, fair <laughs> enough. I think I heard somewhere this week that no away team has ever made the Super Bowl. In, in the. That could be wrong there. That's got to be wrong. Well, you mean like a sixth or fifth seed? Yeah, no, just away at any point. I, I, that's wrong. I'm sure that's wrong. That's got to be. But when wrong. I heard it, I thought that can't be true. No, might be in the last few years, maybe. But fifth and sixth seeds—that's somebody else's stat. I didn't make that up. Just saying. Yeah, a fifth or sixth seed must have made it at some point. Definitely, the Ravens did it when they won the Super Bowl. They were the sixth seed. Well, there you go. Murph's just <laughs> debunked that one. Yeah, I've got egg on my face again. The Ravens, yeah, the Ravens were the sixth seed. They're the wild card. No, stop, the whole way. On stop the talking. You're killing me here. Sorry, man. <laughs> it's not your stat, so it's fine. That's I'm true. killing the person who said it. Yeah, you, whoever said it. Yeah. Right, Murph, we've got to split. We're over an hour in. Oh, how'd that happen? Yeah. Enjoy your uh, championship weekend, everybody. Good luck in any fantasy you might be doing. See if you can catch us down. Anybody who's in our league would like to say highly doubt it, but chatting on thin ice, I feel. We don't have the biggest gap to second. We have a bigger gap to third and onwards. So um, let's, let's put a good performance in this week and Super Bowl should be a given. Cool. Go find the podcast on all your favourite podcast providers. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Five Yard Rush. I just want to add, so it didn't get anyone take me up on my offer of naming me players that are currently not employed in the NFL uh, that we'd like to have back. So oh, I gave you one. You did, but they're retired. I don't want retired old players. I want a player that is currently not employed with a team that could be picked up off of free agency that we need to get a job. We did it for Mark Sanchez last year. <laughs> so we've got to find someone out there. And I don't want Kareem Hunt. We talk, Well, we haven't talked about it, but you wanted to bring up Kareem Hunt. We haven't got time. Okay. We haven't got time. We'll do it Thursday's podcast. How about that? All right, we'll start with that. We'll see how our rookie manager feels about this manoeuvre. Love it. Until Thursday, Rush Nation. Murph, it's been a pleasure. Yep, same to you. Cheers, mate. Don't forget, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.